Hi, I'm Jason Marcos. And I'm Barry Hamaguchi. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. Betty Who burst onto the pop music scene in 2013 when her song, Somebody Loves You, was used as the soundtrack to a viral flash mob gay marriage proposal. Remember those? Today, we're exploring why, after five EPs, three albums, and one Queer Eye theme song later, people are still asking, Betty Who? Present company included. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. It is, what is today? Some, it's February. Sunday. It's in February. Sunday. Well, we shouldn't mention that. No. We, mention t- we, ma- we constantly mention time, and then these episodes post fully a month after we record them. So And, we're gonna- and, and we were, and, and just thinking back how wildly optimistic we were about the, you know, we're like, oh, this will post Yeah, no. maybe by Christmas. We're fully way off. In we're like way middle off. of January. Today is March 2nd, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Everything no today is February twenty third probably today's probably February twenty third. You think? Yeah. I mean, we're pretty close now. Yeah, we we're we're getting there. Um, <laughs> what's new? Mm. Do you want um, me to regale you with my latest household cleaning story? Oh my god! So I had people messaging me about how inspired they were to clean their toilets after you discussed how enthusiastically, what was it? Oh, 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 oh what do you, the, <laughs> I don't know. What Osoji. Osoji. Umeboshi is a pickled plum. Osoji <laughs> is when you clean your house for New Year's. Okay. Yeah. That's, I got a lot of, uh, a lot of comments about that. Yeah, and, and, and people good. people were inspired. Adam went and I told him, I was like, do not kill yourself cleaning the toilet like Barry. Because he'll he'll do it. He'll throw himself in and work himself into a tizzy. It's I mean, if you can if you can bend down and reach underneath the toilet, it's not that hard to re- remove the toilet seat. <laughs> Look up a YouTube video. Um this week. Oh, can I ask you a question? Hmm. I'm cu- very curious about what other Households do about this. How often do you buy new bed sheets? Well, I'm trying to be better about it. We didn't really buy them very often, but we've been washing them more frequently. Okay. Which is right. how often? I'm trying to do it once a week. Okay. Maybe. I think that's what like the FDA recommends or uh, Surgeon full General. Dis- full <laughs> disclosure, it probably it probably is closer to once every two weeks, but I'm okay. trying okay. trying to get it closer, you know, because I don't you know, yeah, that's gross. Like we've been trying to at the very least, I'll try to wash the pillowcases every week. Because mm. the pillowcases, the pillowcases yes. are the biggest problem I have. And once I start missing out on regularly regularly washing the pillowcases and sometimes i feel like even if i do regularly wash the pillowcases over time there is like a waxy buildup to oh them. yeah 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 and like a, a a a body soil stain it ends up it ends up being like you could you could stretch it over some wood framing and use it as a canvas like yeah. it's like it's got the gesso on it from your skin <laughs> fully i think i could like yeah. blow them up like a balloon and they'd be airtight <laughs> like the fibers are just so sealed in at some point. And, you know, this happens gradually over time. And 
I had been discussing this with some other friends about like, what do you do? Like, I really need to degrease my pillowcases. And almost everyone I talked to was like, well, when it gets to that point, you just toss them out and get new sheets. Yeah. yeah. I was like, really? I, was, for, I mean, maybe it's just our, our, our hoarder mentality that we like hold on to the, all these things forever. There are fully pillowcases in my childhood home that I have seen in my childhood that I remember. And oh, I'm my like, mom, my mom sent me all my childhood pillowcases. She still had them. And I still like, use them. And you know house. what? They're in better shape than our current day pillowcases. Just bu- you know, so, so we started buying, um, well, last year we had to move out because they were doing some things, some work on our apartment at the time. And, um, you know, we moved into a temporary rental and that house had parachute linens. Okay. And is that a brand or they it's the brand okay. parachute. Um, Hashtag not sponsored. Uh, no, they, they, they advertise <laughs> ties on everything else, but they will not advertise on us. Um, and uh, they were the most luxurious. I mean, it was truly the, I don't know how to pronounce it. It was a percale, percale, percale sheets. Percale. It, I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Percali. But so amazing. So then we were like, why are we not just buying better sheets? Because, you know, we'll buy them from, we were buying them from CB2 because Mm -hmm. they were across the street from us. And I had these flannel sheets from them that I really liked because they were really soft and they were always always seeming to be the perfect temperature in the winter and the summer. Like they were Mm -hmm. very breathable. And so that was like an indulgence for me. But, you know, as you know, like bedding gets expensive. And, you know, if you go, if you, you know, when you buy the one at Target, which was what I had been doing for a long time, your mileage may vary depending on which one you get, right? And and you know, um, so so we had had these parachute sheets and they were amazing, and so we were like, well, maybe we should buy them when we move back into the apartment, and pulled it up, and I was like, fully without sponsorship, uh, I'm not spending this much money on sheets, um, you know, because yeah, so we ended up with Brooklinen, okay. Which is another sort of like online, like parachute started online, I believe, um, sort of quote unquote. What are they like disruptors? Where like they 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 they're doing like the direct to consumer online model. Yeah, Brooklyn in. Um, they had a great package that we bought, and they were great. And so, you know, we've tested this one pair or one set out. I guess we've had it for almost a year now. The classic um, Percali. Yeah. Mm-hmm. just okay. in white and it just i love it it like always feels cool when you get in bed um they're like thick so so my cat likes to sleep on my chest at night and he needs on my chest mm-hmm. um and anyone with a cat knows when they need their claws come out a little bit and it can hurt this percal percali oh. <laughs> if i pull it up to my chin when he's kneading on me his claws can't get through it but it also doesn't tear mm. So then he can, you know, just do it to his heart's content and I'm protected. And my chest has never looked better. Um, <laughs> it's I love it. I, but yeah, we're okay. trying to wash them more. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, these are I mean, these are not cheap. They're not. But that's I'm why we were like big. I'm a big cheapskate when it comes to sheets. Well, I we're was spending like, like we we're s- spending like 50 bucks for like a, a sheet set. How many years of your life do you spend in bed? Like, well, I, I I don't find that much of a difference between like, maybe like I've had expensive had sheet sets before in the past, but what I really really like, I like a low thread count. Low, like a hundred. 
No, like between You're like falling through the between sheets. like two and three. Like these Brooklyn and these Brooklyn and sheets are low thread count. It's two hundred seventy yeah, thread count. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's because to, to, to like me, like high thread count sheets don't breathe. No, you're right. That's why I like these. And I like low thread count sheets because they, f- honestly, they feel most of the time they feel a little bit rougher. Mm. Yeah, I, like, I don't. I mean, I, I don't like like a. I don't like one. to slide around in bed. I don't need to slip and slide. No, but these, but the, the, they feel. I trust me. I I used to buy my sheets on sale at Kohl's, right? And like you know. I don't know. These have worn better. Okay. They wash better. They end up staying crisp um, in a way that my sheets, my prior sheets have not. And, you know, I mean, I, I just wash them with, the, um, I throw it in there with like the OxyClean sensitive skin boost mm. or whatever. I don't know. It just like, it's like non-chlorine bleach and they come out pro- fine. I mean, I we, we're not using like colored sheets these days. Um, just that's the I mean for a long time because to me it's like nothing stops the body soil from like staining the sheets mm-hmm. over time mm-hmm. this doesn't happen immediately we're not we're not you know we're humans yes we're, we're humans but we had for a long time avoided getting light colored sheets because they would discolor so fast mm. yeah even just I mean, slightly yeah yeah. So even the even this the the set that we have now um is light colored cuz I just wanted a, a, pair, a set of light colored sheets and um it 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 could not be prevented. Can you can, but, so you you famously have a gray water system. Yeah. in your house. So We div- we can divert it though. We can use regular detergent okay. if I divert it to the sewer. Well, I was wondering, yeah, cuz if you use like a like a oxy booster because uh, so non-chlorine bleach for all of those people who are really fascinated by this, yeah, <laughs> there is basically it's hydrogen peroxide, right? And yeah. so I don't know if that's something you can just dump into your yard. Well, here's what I did. So last week, my last week, no, maybe it was like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I decided to take action. I started googling some recipes. I put the bed she- I put the pillowcases into a tub, into a little dishwashing mm. tub in my bathtub. Wow. First I did uh baking soda and vinegar, soaked with water, did that for a couple hours, rinsed it, washed it, nothing. Then I did pine saw. Mm. Hot water and pine saw, pillowcases. On your sheets? It- yeah. Oh. It's 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 um it's listed on the bottle as like a thing you can do with pine saw. Deodorize your laundry with pine saw. Huh. Hashtag not sponsored. It doesn't um, make it smell like pine saw. Oh, it does, but you need to wash it again <laughs> afterwards. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So soaked it in pine saw for a couple hours, washed it again, kind of got there. Then I used this stuff called. Uh, it's like one of those enzymatic cleaners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind yeah. of like, like the enzymatic stuff the that you oil. use. Kind of like the enzymatic stuff that you use for cat pee. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to just mm-hmm. eat the eat the sh- shit the out proteins. of it. Yeah, um, soaked it in that for a couple hours. So meanwhile, like I've been fully washing pillowcases for about six hours. Um, washed that in the laundry again. Then I was like, okay, I think we're getting somewhere, but it wasn't fully right. So yesterday, part two, part two of my pillowcase cleaning marathon. Then I was reading something that was like, you need like to do like a degreaser, a strong degreaser 
with baking soda. So I was like, okay, like you need like dishwashing liquid, like you like know, in, like like you put like oven off, <laughs> just eats through your whole pillowcase. Yeah. <laughs> so I was waiting. I was actually waiting for the pillowcases to completely fall apart. But basically, like. So I, I got my tub out, I put my pillowcases in, I put some dishwashing liquid and a cup of baking soda. Wow. And then I don't even te- have that much baking soda. Well, we always have bake we always buy like a box of baking soda and then a, a cookie recipe calls for like a quarter teaspoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you you have like the full box of baking soda minus a quarter teaspoon. So basically I was like, uh-huh. oh great, great. I get to use like a whole cup of this shit. So uh a cup of baking soda, uh a quarter cup of dishwashing soap. And then very, very hot water. So I heated up a tea kettle. So like done. Okay. And then I poured it. I poured the tea kettle over the pillowcases and then I let it cool down. I will, I was supposed to like agitate it, but then I was like, I, I'm going to burn my hand. So I full on had my wooden spoon out stirring mm. pillowcases in a boiling hot tub of Dawn. Like a witch. Of water. No, you know what it was? It was like the end of ever after when Angelica Houston gets sent to the, uh, yes. the laundry. Yes, it's like, and yes, they're all stirring yes. it like wooden paddles. That was me uh-huh. with our pill- two pillowcases, and um, did that for and I agitated them for like a half an hour. I wrung them out, I rinsed them out, and then I soaked them again in dishwashing liquid in very very hot water for another hour. And then after rinsing and wringing that out, then I threw them into the regular laundry with regular laundry detergent, and I'm happy to report. That we're about like 90% there. Just get another pair. <laughs> just like get another pair, Barry. Like if you're so cheap, just <laughs> then you can afford to buy two. All the sets. water that I've spent. I know. <laughs> anyway. Just, just uh, uh, rotate my, them so that my, it doesn't get crazy. Yeah. In my continuing adventures in housekeeping, I just wanted mm. to give you that update. Um, oh my goodness. I fully have lost sight of GarageBand, so I don't know how long we've been talking. Oh, no, it's that been long fifteen minutes. It's okay. okay. But right. you know, so, inspired yeah. by inspired by my toilet cleaning adventures, I thought I'd venture into the question of um, pillowcase maintenance. These are so, the pressing hot topics. They are. I mean, cleanliness. I mean, it's all we're doing when we're at home. Just next like, to godliness. Okay, well, I'm like, what am I going to do next weekend? Well, I guess I can clean that next weekend. Yeah. I clean this this weekend. Um, so, so, you know, before we start the actual episode, can we level set? Like, do you know Betty who? I do. Spotify has tried it. Has never worked. Really? Um, yes. As a, as a pop aficionado, you don't like, she's never, you've never been attracted? Uh, she is a immediate skip. Immediate skip. Hmm. It's not that her music is bad. It's not that her singing is bad. Her music is good. Her singing is good. It is completely unremarkable, completely forgettable. To this day, to this day, even having been listening to her music and the songs that you selected for me to listen to, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I cannot distinguish a single one of them. I cannot give you a lyric. Oh, there's one about an extra twin extra long. That's all I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't tell you a lyric. I can't tell you a melody. I had to physically like write down things so I could remember which song was which because I they're they're so unremarkable to me. I mean, <laughs> it's no it's is, no swish swish bish. And, uh, and that's Katie the thing Perry, is I think that but, like a lot of these songs that I talk about 
it's like they're very remarkable to me and they come on and they just they they trigger something in me you know i see betty whose music does none of that for me and to your point about like a pop aficionado like me i'm like spotify has tried it she appears frequently in my daily mixes Mm -hmm. in the mix of other artists that i genuinely like but for some reason like who like Carly Rae Jepsen, like yeah. Kaiza, like uh, mm-hmm. Jesse Ware. It's, it's very of the same. Like her music is very of a piece of that. It's interesting to me that Just you very that it doesn't. Interesting. It's it her her song. Like there's nothing. There's nothing for me to latch onto in any of these songs. No melody. No lyric. No vocal performance. No anything. The, I mean, and I'm I'm be I think. I've been so cynical about it that most of my observations are like kind of reads. They're just most of it is me one really wondering like, why don't I like this? And why, why can't I remember any of these songs? Well, okay. And, so, so remembering them, I think is one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Enjoying them in the moment though, I think is another thing. I don't enjoy them. Because okay. they they sound like nothing. They sound they almost sound like elevator music or something. It's so, and I know that that's not what they sound like. Literally, it's just figuratively. Like when one of her songs starts, I almost immediately have a sense of boredom. Why do you hate women? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I just. <laughs> it's like unlike anything else I've ever experienced. That like her music comes on and. I immediately have an instinct that like, I don't like this song. I need to skip it. I don't understand that, but, but I'll tell you though, that like listening to a lot of her, especially a lot of the music that Spotify recommends to me. And some of the songs that you sent me, I'm like, all these songs sound the same. There is a, there is a similarity. I mean, she has a, I mean, she definitely has a sound which she's developed and kind of stuck with. She's a really Um, big fan of uh, finger snaps on two and four. Um, she's a really big fan of the, um, dun, 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 like the, yeah. As a production, like, as a, as it's a, like as the, a, it's like a, it's like accent on one on the and of three and then one of the following measure followed by three quarter note rests. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. It's that song that you sent me f- specifically for this episode that I was like, Oh, this is, this is, this is the same thing. Yeah. And, but they're fun. They're not fun. I don't I don't even They're and fun, she, Barry. And and she has so many songs with the word me in it. Yeah. And so it, I was like, you sent me all these song titles. I was like, which song is this one? Me? Remember me? Forget me? Ignore me? Pretend you're missing me. Which <laughs> which which I guess is the uh theme of this episode and our podcast in general. See, you just said it and I can't, I I immediately forgot what this song is called. Oh, pretend you're missing me. Okay. (laughs) Just unremarkable. I, I, I mean, it almost feels like it's good, but in like an entirely generic way. Like there, so there's, there's one song of hers that was actually used in that Netflix movie with, um, yeah, Barb from La- Stranger Things. Lana Sierra- Condor. Oh, 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 oh. No, the oh, Sierra um, Burgess must die. No, Sierra Burgess yes, is dead. Yes, yes. Sierra Burgess must is die. fat. I don't. Remember. What was that movie called? I don't Sierra know. Sierra Burgess I just is saw a the loser. Picture. 
Starring, oh. starring Barb I from thought, Stranger Things. I was fully on board with Sierra Burgess must die. <laughs> it's John Tucker. I, <laughs> um, it was, I mean, it was, it sucked because everyone was so sad when Barb died on Stranger Things, right? Mm-hmm. And then she gets her big opportunity to like star in this movie for Netflix and like Noah Centineo is her love interest in this movie. Mm-hmm. But it was um it was poorly received. Yeah, it was not well received. Because I think that... Because she's mean. It's like a Cyrano de Bergerac thing where Noah Centineo falls in love with Sierra Burgess, who's Barb. Yeah. From uh, like online or from texting. But then he thinks that she is this like skinny, attractive girl that Barb has befriended and convinced to pretend that she's her. Like they go onto like a webcam, I think. Yeah, then, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But then there's there's like a subplot about Sierra Burgess's brother, I think, is deaf. So I feel like disability advocates were like really not happy with the way that that particular subplot was handled because she does something kind of deceitful. I really can't well, remember. I, well, what I remember from the the dust not even, to say it's a dust up is stupid, but you know from the it just wasn't. Like she, she didn't come across as a good person. Mm. Like in 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 the way that she was deceitful. Like it, and what it made her like. I don't know. It just yeah. Fundamentally, it it was a flawed character that they were trying. It wasn't as uh, like to all the boys I've loved before, which was the movie prior to that with Lana Condor and Noah Centineo, and it kind of blew people's minds about. They're like, oh my god, this like teen romance is like actually really cute and really good, and and you know, um. People were really into it. They thought Sierra, Sierra Burgess was going to be of that type, but the character herself was not as it was more problematic, I guess. Mm. And so, so that was what I remember. But yeah. wait, so they used a Betty Who song in that. There was a Betty I know Who they song that, that I, I I know when I recognize, and oh, yeah? I realized that like I mean, there is that aspect to Betty Who's music that has that kind of ethereal, youthful joy, vaguely. Not always joy, even. It's just like vaguely, uh, it's it's the feels, right? Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. in the intro or the trailer to every Netflix original program aimed at young people, they introduce this like something with that vibe. And I feel attached to a lot of those songs because they like, you, you then associate that song with the story that you've experienced watching the program. Mm-hmm. Like there's the... um. When they did the Tales of the City reboot, mm-hmm. there was um, there was that song "I Know a Place" by um, I know what you're talking about. There's a song "I Know a Place" it's by Mavis Mo- Staples. No, by Muna. Oh, in the vein, oh. in the vein oh, of these like Muna. ethereal teen yeah, yeah, yeah. indie pop songs. So in that sense, like I, I started to wonder, like, is that what it takes for me? to get attached to any of the songs of this ilk of the Betty who genre is that I hear them in these Netflix original movies, basically. I mean, is and then I suddenly have, I suddenly at least have something to like emotionally associate that song with. And outside of that context, I don't know that I ever feel the same about any of these songs, mm-hmm. but especially Betty who, like usually like in the case of Muna, and that I know a place song that they used on Tales of the City. I was able to listen to the rest of their music 
and really appreciate it. Yeah, I listen to that album a lot. And actually like it, like as an extension of that. Not so with Betty Who. Not so with Betty Who. I, you know, I think that's, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I mean, obviously like. But I don't want to poo-poo on your story. So, get, get, let, you know, we can. You can oh, now now you don't 10 minutes of poo-pooing and now you don't want to poo-poo on my story. Hey, you asked me. <laughs> I wasn't going to lead off with, I don't know who she is. Well, I think you've set up why I would like to redeem her. Give it to me, Jason. Oh, wait. So we when should... we come back. Yes. From um, the I'd like to remind everyone, though. Oh, yes. Please do. do. Would I like to remind everybody? Yeah, I, I would. So. It's me. I would like to remind everybody, before we take a break, that we have a website. It's flopredeemer.com. We post there every week. We post a playlist of all the songs that we've mentioned in this week's episode, as well as any um, ephemera videos, etc., that may be pertinent uh, in the episodes. And we have an email address, flopperteamer at gmail.com. Please reach out, touch someone, touch us, but not physically, just um, with words. We'll be right back. So we've established that uh, Barry doesn't relate to Betty Who at all, and uh, I'm, I'm, this will make redemption all the greater. I'm I'm willing to bet that most people may have, if, if you know Betty Who at all, it's sort of a passing sort of knowledge, because she's never really broken through. I mean, which is why she's on this podcast. <laughs> um, but today I'm going to talk about Betty Who's single Pretend You're Missing Me, which was off of her second album, The Valley. And before I do that, I just want to give like just a quick background on who Betty Who is. Um, Betty Who's real name, her, her real name is Jessica Newham. And she's from Australia. She uh, moved here when she was 16. She classically trained as a cellist since the age of four. And then at the age of 16, she moved to the U.S. to attend Interlochen, which is a performing arts high school in Michigan. So, you know, she, she'd she been very into music from a very young age, went to performing arts school to continue to develop that, and then went to college at the Berklee College of Music, Um where, you know, one of the things that she loved was she got to study pop music and pop music construction. Because I think one of the things about going to, you know, if you go to a conservatory, you go to like music school, a lot of times that, you know, they stress sort of that classical music education, mm-hmm. which she had. But, you know, the thing about Berkeley is that they, they do study pop music and a lot of people who want to be pop stars or pop musicians um, can sort of study the construction of, say, like a Lady Gaga song or something, you know, like what makes those, you know, tick and and how to develop yourself and how to find a, a place for yourself as a pop artist. So she did that. She met a, she, you know, while she was there, she met a kid named Peter Thomas. Um, they, you know, he suggested, because, you know, it's a music school, um, that they pair her writing, which she'd been doing for forever, um, with a dreamy sort of anthemic pop production style. And so while they were in school, they began collaborating and spent the next two years developing this this pop style. She released her debut single independently um, in 2012. It was called Somebody Loves You. Um, she was still in school. It's an 80s-influenced synth pop song. Um, she said it was inspired by the death of Whitney Houston. Um, like right in the immediate aftermath of that, she was in the immediate aftermath of Whitney's death. She was listening to some of Whitney's hits from the eighties and just talking about how, like, 
I want to dance with somebody and how will I know just having this sense of unbridled joy and feeling that like pop music at the time, the mid, or I guess the, the end of the first decade of the 2000s, didn't have a lot of joy. It was about like going to the club or I'm going to take your band or just like it was it was like there were more conflict or like nothing and it wasn't like joyful. So she wrote the song Somebody Loves You. This was back in the day when like a lot of um well some hits would would get broken on on blogs. And so the blog Arjun writes. Do you know Arjun? Um I vaguely remember that blog. Yeah, exactly. I mean it's like it was like big at the time where like if you wanted to kind of develop sort of a a following like you you know certain blogs could help break you and pink is the new blog yeah yeah yeah. perez hilton mm-hmm. i fully and, fully know this song from perez hilton did you get a yeah, new I think, perez I hilton think it, of it all are you gonna get there no oh <laughs> you can well when you told me that you were going to be talking about betty who i had this mind's eye recollection of like oh i only know about betty who because of perez hilton I don't then, even know any of that, honestly. And it didn't I, come up when I was I, looking at stuff. It's funny because I have a recollection of Perez Hilton doing these like compilation albums. Mm. And they were all like indie discovery. His his quote unquote indie discoveries, right? And mm. I remember Betty Who being one of them. And that's how I heard the song because he was doing huh. all these Perez Hilton Presents albums. You know, I think now that his profile has kind of dropped and a lot of that stuff has become uninteresting. Mm-hmm. or undesirable like you can't really find a whole lot of evidence of this anymore i really had to google around to be like what was that compilation called and there were like seven of them huh. between like 2012 and like 2017 but betty who was featured on like volume three of perez hilton prevent uh presents <laughs> perez hilton prevents <laughs> he did prevent a lot of stuff he yeah. um but, like uh, like positive coverage of people <laughs> But like he he did like Troy Sivan back in yeah, the day yeah, yeah. and yeah, like right. um, Leanne Le Havis, L King, Paloma Faith. Like oh, he I guess broke you're right. he broke a he broke an L King song in like 2013. Charlie XCX. I, I didn't really remember any of that, but I guess you're I right. Mean, I mean, I think it was know. after. I feel like the year that he did the Betty Who one because I think Betty Who and Troy Sivan were on the same volume. There, that was like very much like I had stopped really paying attention to him by that point, but I was I was in the loop enough to like know that those albums were coming out. Yeah, I think in part because um, some of the blogs and stuff that I still did follow were very very cynical and like eyebrow raising about like who entrusted Perez Hilton, (laughs) who like you know as the gatekeeper of like up and coming pop acts. Uh-huh. I think it was the same it was akin to like when Ellen DeGeneres got her own record label, right? I don't the even people, know that. Oh, she signed she, when it was when oh, she was doing American oh. Idol and Ellen Was that the like, Grayson Chance? Grayson Chance, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cuz I Did remember Ellen that. Did Ellen help out Charlie Puth too? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, but like I don't know. I don't know his origin story really. Anyway, didn't but Charlie Puth went to Berkeley with the uh, Betty who? He did. He did. I don't know about the same time. I think, I think so. I think they're like the same age ish. Huh? Yeah, that would that would make sense. That would make sense. Um, his mar- yeah, his music was... is unremarkable as well. Are you get out? Oh my god! I only know him for his upper thigh. 
Barry, I don't even. I don't even. I don't even know what to say. Derailed me. <laughs> Couldn't tell a Charlie uh, Puth song from a bump in the road. You're insane. <laughs> anyway, don't He's... don't let me derail you. Uh, continue <laughs> redeeming Betty Who. So she rede- okay. So she releases "Somebody Loves You" in 2012 independently. Um, you know, and like I said, inspired by the death of Whitney, she wanted to to have something that just felt very joyful. So that had kind of been percolating. Is it a play on "Somebody Who Loves Me"? Is that the Whitney Houston connection? Like I, I want to so. dance. With, I mean, I, I want to dance with somebody with, with somebody, somebody who, loves, who loves, me, loves me, and then this is her like callback. Like, well, I think a loves little you. bit. I think a little bit. It wasn't okay. meant to be like vocally. It was just supposed to evoke that sense that you get when somebody dance. With, I want to dance with somebody comes on, and you know, it. You just people love that. I mean, it just fills you with happiness mm-hmm. and joy. Um, and so this is a pleasant song. I like this song. So that song. Um, it goes viral the next year thanks to a YouTube video proposal in a Salt Lake City Home Depot. Um, I don't know if you've seen this viral. Propo- it was like, it I think was I saw like, it back in the day. Yeah, it was like, and maybe that's the thing. It's like it's that moment that you can latch this song onto. It worked for her. I mean, contextualizes the song. It contextualizes the song. It really sort of cemented her. Well, I don't want to. Well, cemented her. <laughs> That's that's a, it established her as sort of a an inclusive queer friendly artist because it was so strongly associated with this gay marriage proposal um, in Salt Lake City in a Home Depot and it was like so so you know this this guy brings his or has some has friends bring his partner into like the middle of the lumber aisle. Mm-hmm. at Home Depot and there's all of his friends there doing the dance to this song and then you know family comes in kids and whatever and then as the song's ending the partner comes out and he's in a suit and he asks him to marry him and it was very charming I watched it again because I hadn't seen it in forever it is very charming and you know the funny thing is somebody loves me somebody loves you <laughs> <laughs> I keep getting confused somebody loves you Mm-hmm. Is not. I mean, I remember hearing the song and liking it, but it is not one of my favorite songs. Um, it is charming, though. Um, that you know, it ends up becoming a hit. Um, this, this, so, so when it went viral, that was as she was graduating from college. So she immediately left, basically graduation, went to New York, where she was signed to RCA. Um, the song eventually goes to number one on the Billboard Dance Chart, and. While she starts working on her debut album, she releases an EP called Slow Dancing, which went to number one on the iTunes pop music charts. And she ended up then touring in support of Katy Perry and Kylie Minogue on the Australian legs of their respective tours that year. So, you know, it's it's it, you, if you listen to the song, Somebody Loves You, it's a very bubbly, effervescent pop song. It, it's it's sunny in a way uh, uh, you know and and to me the thing about Betty Who is there's like a sincerity about her vocal delivery like the way she the way she does it like that kind of no matter i don't know there's there's just a feeling of sincerity that comes across and and being fun so you know she's being positioned by RCA as a very Katy Perry like pop star i mean Katy Perry Carly Rae Jepsen like in that vein mhm 
right? She's got um, Katy Perry aspects to her voice. Yes. But none of it, I feel like it's, I mean, this is going to sound shady, but she could be like the demo singer for Katy Perry because she has similar aspects to her voice as Katy Perry, but none of them are as like brash or as like, I mean, this is a read on uh, Betty who and Katy Perry, but like Katy Perry, like has like, this re- I think we talked about it with Katy Perry. She's got this like really brassy mid part of her voice. And then mm-hmm. she flips up into this really like almost screechy mm-hmm. falsetto. Mm-hmm. And Betty who has those same aspects to her voice where she, she kind of does this flip up into a falsetto mm-hmm. for a lot of it's like very breathy and yeah. yeah she does the same kind of flip but it's not as abrasive as Katy Perry well I would I would take that a step further I would say that you know because Katy Perry's voice is unique is so distinct in that way it stands out it's not that it's better because I actually think Betty oh, yeah, no, has no. a better voice in that yeah. in that sense but it ends up not having the edge yeah Right, but but to me the songs are just as, and I know we disagree here, but I think the songs are 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 fantastic, and I think they're fun. I think they're that, competent. I think they're fun, and <laughs> so much fun, and and I don't know. I mean, you talked about you know hearing, you talked about hearing some of the songs. So the the way in for you with some of the songs is to have seen them on a movie or TV show or whatever, and you get that emotional thing. So Betty Who, while she's between between when the the single comes out and she releases the EP and the time when her debut album actually drops, it's about 18 months. So in that period while she's working on it, she's touring and she was doing smaller tours around the country. We saw her at a Pride event and I also saw her, I believe, at the Fonda um, in that time. And she put on such a fun live show. Now, it's been so long since we've been to that kind of show. But, you know, there it, when you live in L.A. and, you know, one of the pop blogs breaks an artist, right? Like, like whether it's Paris Hilton or Arjun. And they, Paris they come through Perez Hilton. <laughs> My stars are blind. I'm going to redeem um, that song. Oh, God. Um, I mean, that's not a bad song. Um, oh no! I like her follow-up. Um, the nothing in this world can stop us tonight. I can do what she can do so much better. Can you? <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. But what I was saying was, you know, you'd go to some of these shows and. It's a relatively small artist, but you'd go to these venues and it'd be packed with all the gay, like all your friends from the club and from the community like would be out there and it'd just be like a couple thousand like gay men and and their friends and women just like having a dance party because then we'd all go clubbing after, right? We'd all meet up, at yeah. the, you know, we'd have a, have a bite and go. You're all, you're all reading the same blogs. You all knew the show was You're all reading the same blogs and you're like, oh, this is fun. It's like, it's kind of like Robin. It's kind of like Katy Perry or it's kind of, you know, it's like this and it's fun. Let's go. And like the tickets are like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. And you go with your friends and it's a fun night out. And then her songs are just very danceable. Like they're, they're just, they're fun. Uh, you know, I know you say competent, but you know, seeing someone live, seeing their energy, you know, having someone who's gone viral on a national level kind of 
like still kind of get their start or or speak to your community in this case like the lgbtq community um like right from the beginning i think in 2010 like was very novel still like it's you know it's like our artist if if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. this is music for us i mean this is still in the middle of like the you know we had we were fighting like the prop eight still trying to you know get the right to gay marriage like all of these things like it, it it you know i think we forget sometimes that how how far we've how far we've come in the last 10 years from where we were in terms of acceptance even just 10 years ago so i think it was fun and i think you know that really that that cemented her for me it's just someone that i really enjoyed right like is the mute do i like all of the music no but i've truly enjoyed her as an artist and as a performer and i had so much fun i know our friends had a lot of fun like when we were out and you know her debut album comes out like i said 18 months after the first single um i remember this pre-orders like if you pre-ordered the album you could get your name printed in the liner notes and so uh-huh. I did that because I had done that. And so my copy of the album has my name in it. Wait, and just, it's just your copy or like everyone's? No, no, it has everybody's. It has oh, everybody's. Okay. <laughs> but like you're part of like, it was sort of like crowd, not crowdsource, but you know, it's yeah. just like as a way to thank you. And so like in the liner notes, everyone who had bought, like you get your your name on the thing. And so I remember like I, I still have that album. And I, again, it's like that sort of connection. Like is it, is, is all of her music always best? No, but I thought that was really cute for like a debut album for someone who's, you know, trying to trying to come out. Um, again, I find it joyful. It, it's very 80s influenced dance synth pop album. Um, you you talk about like not knowing how to feel or like the feelings are kind of the same. I think that a lot of her songs, like her, the the through line with with her, with uh with Betty Who, is it's always sort of like an 80s tinged synthy pop. There's a danciness to it. Um, and they're always like hopeless romantics. Or it's like a hopeless romanticism for like most songs. Whether it's whether it's sad or joyful, it's like always kind of unrequited. It's talking about you know things that aren't that are always just kind of out of reach whether you've left it behind or you can't get what you want hmm. um you know you're never she's never fully re- singing she's never singing about like i'm in the relationship that i love and you know we're you know it's <laughs> it's always searching you know hmm. always just out of reach and um the single all of you hit was becomes her second number one on the dance chart um so that's, you know, that was her first album. That was kind of what put her, started her on the map, right? She And again, like she was touring, touring, touring. This brings us to The Valley. And The Valley is her second album, which contains the song Pretend You're Missing Me. Um, The thing about this, and I think we've talked about, you know, this has come up with artists that we've redeemed in the past mm-hmm. it was an incredible amount of time between the first and second album three years the valley comes out in 2017 um and she's still on rca at this point she's still on rca at this okay. point um you know she'd built up a lot of momentum in 2015 2014 2015 you know promoting her first album people were really excited and then like nothing happened for a while yeah um and, you know, so so in 2016, she ends up releasing a cover of I Love You Always Forever, the Donna Lewis song. 
Do you remember that song? Of course I remember that song. Of course, and why right? Why would anyone ever need to remake a perfect work of art? This is, I will say, this is exactly what I felt. Even though I loved her, I'm like, you don't need a new version of this song. Um, but the, as they say, the children loved it. Um, Every Betty Who song you sent me, mm-hmm. it, like it's sonically, it just reminded me of something else, like completely. And when I was listening to this I Love You Always Forever cover, I was like, oh, sh- it's like an image in heap. Um, yeah. Yeah. What was that image in heap song? Like hide that, and seek? Hide and seek. Had, had that like, it had like so the, the vocoder effect. Vocoder. Or it's like, it's almost like just like self harmony acapella mm-hmm. thing happening. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Just for the it's opening. very ethereal. It's very ethereal. I mean, it came out in 2016 because you know by this point it had been two years since her previous album. The fans were like clamoring for new music. All She'd ten been, of them, you know. I mean, number one on the dance chart. May I remind you? No, that you I know. Number I one on the dance chart, and she never even broke into the Billboard Hot 100, which is why she's a flop and she's being redeemed. <laughs> You know, so I Love You Always Forever ends up being very successful for her. It becomes her third number one on the Billboard dance chart. Now, obviously, she wants to be number one on the Hot 100. She'd love to Um, be number 100 on the Hot 100. I know. She only got to 105. (laughs) She was on the bubbling under. Um, You know, but, you know, this is probably her most popular, most streamed song, like in her discography. Oh, Um, weird. Yeah, it's got like 45 million streams, which, you know, we we talk about some of our other, some of the other artists that we look at and 45 million. I mean, it's a lot, but it's not, you know, it's solid middle of the pack, probably. 45 million you know. time, like, times like one sixteenth of a cent is like, she probably still, well, and she gets like songwriting credit. Yeah, she gets songwriting credit. Maybe I mean, it's, like it's not ways. my, Who knows? it's not my favorite song, but I think it's so, so she releases it sort of independently. Because as she tells it, you know, the making of this album was incredibly difficult um, with the success of, well, even when she talk, we talk about the first album. So the first album, you know, she had Somebody Loves You and that was released independently. And she had sort of all these other songs that she wanted to put out, but she immediately signed with RCA and RCA was like, no, we need to duplicate what happened with Somebody Loves You. You can't release... So everything that she had planned had been scrapped, which is why even though that song got popular, it took 18 months for the first uh, album to drop because there was so much back and forth and push and pull with the label as far as like trying to fit her into and, and create this like vibe and, and image for her um, around that first album. And the album ends up being successful, um, but... And and she likes it. She's proud of it. But, you know, I don't think she felt like she was fully in artistic control. And that feeling ends up getting exacerbated on the second album. And so they re- they had recorded hundreds of songs, but were kept going back and forth with the label about what the, the album would sound like. And they were having difficulty getting things approved and 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 moving forward, which is why it took three years. Um, you know, she described the process of making the album as torturous and never ending. And based on interviews she gave to Billboard and um, Out and Attitude magazines at the time, um, it you know she was just becoming very frustrated with the notes and the fight for creative control. And 
the the name of the album is called The Valley. And part of that comes from while she was recording this, she had moved from New York to LA. Um, but she talks about when she moved to LA, they they set her up in Woodland Hills. And mm. for anyone who knows LA, it is like the deepest part of the valley. And like, there's nothing there. I work, th- like that's where my office, actually my satellite office is. Mm-hmm. And it's like the most, it's like one of the most boring parts of the, it's just, it's like, and it's so hot too. Like in the summer, it gets to like 116. It's like the hottest part of LA. Um, but it's it's like halfway between LA and Calabasas. So like you've got the Kardashians in Calabasas, you've got like Hollywood and everything in LA, but you're like stuck in the middle. And truly it's not walkable. There's nothing charming about it. It's it's like, it's suburbia. It's like sun-baked suburbia in like the worst kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know because I used to live around there. I still work around there. It's not great. That contributed to sort of like her frustration because she was there for three years. And I mean, imagine she's like 20... I think at this time, like, 22. So being, like, 22 years old, stuck in, like, this, like, super suburban part. Yeah. Um, and, like, just fighting with your label about what kind of music to put out and what the shape of your career was going to be. When they released the album, there were five singles, um, but none of them performed as well as Take Me When You Go, um, you know, her first album. They included I Love You Always and Forever. I think they just included that just so that they would have just a quote-unquote hit. Just- track they were just 13. like yeah they were just like mm, well people like the song so let's include it because she originally apparently she released that independently and not on rca because she was frustrated that the label wouldn't let her put anything out and you know she was trying to like keep the fans happy so mm. she pushed that out and originally she said that song wasn't actually even going to be on the album but because it did so well i think rca ended up slapping it on like you said like at the at the end there was another song on there called Human Touch. So out of the five singles, I only like one, and it was Human Touch. And I wonder to what extent, you know, your your mileage with Betty Who may vary because if they were pushing the, if like Spotify is pushing to you the five singles, I don't like any of them. The two songs that I that I do like, or the three songs I guess on the album are Pretend You're Missing Me and Wannabe, those are not singles. They're album tracks. Okay. Um, but I, I like honestly cannot more. remember the songs that Spotify ever sent to me. The one that it well, always yeah. try to, tries to send me to consistently is Just Thought You Should Know from like her 2019 album. But occasionally oh. I will get all all variety of Betty Who songs. Because um, what is it? Pretend You're Missing Me. Mm-hmm. Immediately I was like, oh... Is this just dance? It's not. Just from the intro, it makes. It, this is the thing with her songs. Oh, because of that. Because of that, like knocking. Dun, dun, what dun, is dun, it? Dun, I don't know. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, dun, but it's dun. not low like just dance. And then, uh, human touch. Mm-hmm. That is the demo of Cheap Thrills by Sia featuring Sean Paul. It even has like a Sean Paul sounding synthesized noise. Listeners, I want you to look up Pretend You're Missing Me. Look up Wannabe. You can listen to Human Touch if you want. It's not my favorite on the album. Oh, okay. There's you send another me that song, song to listen to. 
I sent you the song. I sent you a few, not because I like fully liked them, but because oh. I felt like they were more emblematic okay. of what I was trying to get at. Like, cause I don't, I don't, you know, this is the thing, right? She's fighting with her label the whole time. The label chose the singles, mm. right? And immediately after, like, just to give you a sense of what, you know, the, the frustration and things that were happening, immediate, she releases this, I believe, um, The Valley comes out in March 2017. She leaves the label in June. Like, she ended okay. her relationship with RCA. It was falling and apart. I, I, you know, I, I'm actually surprised that she was able, I mean, that she was able to leave. Because, you know, we we hear... How did they even agree to, like... Like, how hard do you think it was for her label to be like, yeah, call your album The Valley? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's... Of all the things to get worked up about, about, like, which of her hundreds of songs are appropriate to put on the album, and Mm -hmm. then they decide, one, your name is Betty Who. Mm -hmm. People don't know who you are, so your name is Betty Who. And then this is an album that you feel terrible about, that you feel like is a low point in your creative career. Let's call it The Valley. (laughs) (laughs) just good decision making all around i mean i think it's just you know she she so she she ends up leaving them in june and she releases the next thing another single called ignore me in january of 20 uh 2018 so within very apropos six months and it was written about the label it was like forget it just ignore ignore me forget yeah. i was born and she's like, betty just, who? like okay betty who the valley i'm just realizing this the album cover is a picture of her leg mm-hmm. that looks like a mountain oh like okay that. but my point being that you, i like when you said betty who i realized like i don't have a solid image of like what she looks like and then uh-huh. I like looked up her looked her up on Instagram and I was like, that's what she looks like. And then I was like looking at her album covers and I was like, this is the same person. Even between her first and third album cover, I was like, I would never know this is the same person. Well, you know, she so she she talks about how when her first album came out, she was 19. Or, you know, when she was re- when she did Somebody Loves You. So when she yeah. first released that, she was 19. By the time she releases The Valley, she's about 25. And and she she's she like looks it's like been a years. Different person. She lost thirty pounds, and she just she like she. I mean, you think about like. I mean, I look at pictures from when I was when I moved to California. I was nineteen. Mm-hmm. When we went, when me, you, Eric, and Chris went to Disneyland that one time, and Davy mm-hmm. went to Disneyland. Uh, that was my twenty fifth birthday, and I look at pictures between those, and I'm like completely different people. Right, like just completely different people. You look the same as you did when you have like your Barry, childhood pictures. I look, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. You, you're no, like you're recognizably the same person. Well, yes, but I mean, Betty, who fully went from being like, she was still blonde with a pixie cut, but like, in by 2019, I would have been like, is this Dua Lipa? Is this someone from Tegan and Sarah? But in like 2015, I was like, is this? Whitney, the winner of America's Next Top Model, cycle eleven. I mean, I don't, I don't think her that face she's just that, like she just doesn't. Have I a do face. not think she doesn't have a a face that I would ever see and be like, oh, that's that's Betty Who. I I would never, I, I would never I know disagree. what she actually looks like in person. Well, because you're not a fan. <laughs> like if you're no, a fan, if I, even if her. I just looked at like these pictures of her, they look like completely different people to me. 
Oh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think all, all look same. All look same. <laughs> oh, that, what is it? Aphasia where you can't see. No, face, faces. face blindness. Yeah. Is that what it is? Um, can I just say actually, uh, as, as, as my last major cut down of Betty. Okay. Hill, this song that we're talking about, pretend you're missing me. Mm-hmm. So it starts out and I was like, Oh, it sounds a little bit. It has like a same, a similar, a, a melodic similarity to Just Dance by Lady Gaga. Just that little riff in the beginning. But then it keeps going. And then I was like, why do I know this song? Why do I know this song? And I was like, I, it, it, it's something that's just so familiar to me. And I was like, oh, this sounds a little bit like Closer by the Chainsmokers. Mm. But it also, which also was a song that I thought sounded a lot like The Middle by Zed and Marin Morris. Yes. And I think that song is actually produced by the same person that produced this song. Yes. yes. And so, but then that got me thinking, I was like, how horrific is it to me that I, I prefer the Chainsmokers music to Betty Who's music? Well, Barry, that's between you and God. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, which is not to say <laughs> you, that I you have like to the get, you have to get right. But sometimes the Chainsmokers right. come on and I will listen to a full Chainsmokers song because Something about again, it gets into my head. This, again, as I say, that's between you and your God. And uh, I this this Betty Who music, it doesn't even get past like that first little passageway of the ear canal for me. So <laughs> keep that's going, ridiculous. Keep that is ridiculous. So first of all, Pretend You're Missing Me was written with Zach Waters He's a, uh, and the Monsters and Strangers. And as Barry mentioned, the Monsters and Strangers, you know, they 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 percolated for a while. They did some things here and there, some like Nick Jonas things that you don't know about some Demi Lovato songs that you don't know about. Um, then they start doing like Camille Cabello. Like they were doing some of like, I think liar was one of them. Um, but they did do the middle with Zed and Marin Morris. They did daisies by Katy Perry, which I do love. And they did prisoner by Dua Lipa and Miley Cyrus. And if, do you not know that song prisoner? It's so good. What? Dua I don't Lipa like any Miley? of the songs that you just. I know you don't like daisies, but you like, as we've established and will have aired by the time this episode comes out, you defended Swish Swish. And we own the only Katy Perry song that we both like is Wide Awake. So I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I like daisies. It's um, all right. No, that's the thing is like, I like all of these songs are not they sound i don't they're they're not bad i don't hate any of these songs yeah they're just songs that are so unremarkable to me like completely i like prisoner um that just i like dua lipa's voice i like dua lipa's vocals yeah yeah i don't like and that's the thing i mean a lot of dua lipa stuff i actually just like her her vocal performance of it or like i like what she's saying in the song and that helps me enjoy the music more mm-hmm. but by and large like you know I, yeah i mean i don't know i i so the thing i like about and i think the thing that some people can relate to betty who um is this sort of earnest longing that's always in the songs. Like it's, I mean, and that's not unusual for, you know, a lot of pop singers. I mean, that's one of the, one of the 
oldest sort of tropes in pop, sort of unrequited love. Yeah. But there's sort of the way she kind of gets there and just kind of throws herself into it, in my opinion, um, with these songs. And Pretend You're Missing Me is about, you know, she. this is after a breakup and she's just, you know, she's having a hard time with it and she's just trying to make herself better by imagining that the the person who left her is missing her. You know, and it makes her feel better. And it's, so it's a sad song, but it's done in this style. Like I said, it's, it. you know, the songs I gave, the Marin Morris, the Daisies, uh, Prisoner, if you listen to them, you can see the through line with the production that they're all, it's very obvious they're produced by the same group. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities. And it's funny because, you know, this song came out in 2017. Pretend You're Missing Me came out in 2017. I think the Marin Morris song came out in 2018. Daisies came out in 2019 or even 2020. I think it's 2020. And uh, Dua Lipa was also 2020. So it's just interesting to me because the, the I mean, like uh, across several years in time, they still kind of sound the same. I don't think that's a knock, but I like all of those songs. So this is why I like them. Um I don't know. I just I just feel like it's just her music and and with this particular song, it's happy and dancey. It's pure pop, but you know, over sad lyrics. And that's one thing that I thought you would have liked because we talked about this with wasn't it the the cranberries about how like the disconnect between the lyrical content and the tone of the song was what actually got you going emotionally. It made it sadder or hit harder than when it is so on point. But I don't like feel like an ironic disconnect with Betty Who. And this, okay. the, this if I, the more I listen to this, the more I'll, I'll, I'll venture a guess is that perhaps, and I, I, okay, I'll venture a guess that it's almost that Betty Who is too clean as a vocalist to give me anything. Okay. That it's not that she's delivering a sad lyric and sounding happy. It's that she's delivering a sad lyric and sounding neutral, or she's delivering a happy lyric and sounding neutral, which makes them completely indistinguishable to me. Ah. And for me, like the thing about like the cardigans is not like it, I, I feel like her emotional performance was always sad and her lyrics were always sad, but the sound of her voice is cheery. It's like a, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like a Tinkerbell voice telling you about like all the fucked up shit in the world. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. the, that's the dichotomy that I like with Betty who it's like, I, it is that thing. I think where it sounds like she is a trained vocalist in some way, or she is musically aware of what she's trying to do so much uh-huh. that it sounds too. You think it's sanitized um, in a way. It sounds, it sounds too easy. And therefore I don't, I don't know what it is. Does that make okay. sense? Like, I think that like a lot of times when you hear someone struggle to sing something even if it is like a physical or a technical aspect to singing that's making them struggle with something that imbues it with an emotion that you then like or you interpret that as Mm -hmm. an emotional thing yeah yeah like like the whole thing with christina aguilera and linda perry you know utilizing scratch vocals yeah 
to give the grit to the performance that otherwise would have been scrubbed clean. Yeah. Like I think that like a long time ago you had been talking to me about Barbara Streisand and just like how in awe you are of the vocals that she manages to deliver with such ease. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that thing to me about Barbara Streisand that a lot of time I get nearly nothing from Barbara Streisand. I think specifically because it does sound so easy for her. No, but I think, but I think you're conflating easiness with it's just effortless. And I don't mean the thing about Barbara that I love is it's not just that it's like, Oh, I can't believe she can hit this and be so clean. It's that she's, while being precise, she's able to convey emotion and tell a story. Because mm. I think Barbara's very good at emotionally interpreting a lyric. Um, and, you know, when you listen to her, I think you can hear the effort. Like, not in the same way that, like, maybe some other singers. Because yeah. there's an ease with which Barbara Streisand does it. But again like she's able to it's it's not that it's so easy that it sounds um what do you call like um like detect like there you know sometimes when someone like if you if you say like um you know a, a, a an athlete makes something look really easy it's not it does it doesn't necessarily mean that 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 they look disinterested or dispassionate I think it can be both. It can come to them somewhat naturally. There doesn't have to be like the ugliness of a struggle, but it can still feel passionate, if that makes sense. Like, oh, there, I agree. I just right, don't think like, that that's I, true of Betty Who or Barbara Streisand. Not that they're the same singer or anything, but I'm just saying that there's something about... Okay, so Barbara Streisand, for example. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All of the Barbara Streisand songs that I like... I like in spite of Barbara Streisand. Again, Barry, I ask you, why do you hate women? <laughs> you like, sound like my dad. He doesn't like Barbara Streisand because she's tough. Oh, see, and I, I, I mean, as a person, sure. I know, but I'm just, but like her, her voice and her music I don't know what I expect from Barbara Streisand. Really, okay, but listen to you and everyone else. Listen to Barbara Streisand sing "When the Sun Comes Out," um, and also <laughs> listen to "A Piece of Sky." <laughs> On the fly redeeming of Barbara Streisand. Okay, yeah, uh, she does not. The woman does not need to be. Redeemed, I know she doesn't but, need redemption. Re- redemption. But those two songs are what changed my perception of Barbara Streisand. Okay. A Piece of Sky from Yentl. <laughs> and uh, when, the sun, when the Sun Comes Out, which she did live on the Ed Sullivan Show, it is on her, um, it is on like one of the albums, you know, from when she was like in her early 20s. But if you look it up on YouTube, she does a couple like phenomenal live TV performances of that song when she was like 25. Okay. And... Um, I was just blown away. I didn't think she had, I didn't think she had that in her. Um, Can so I tell you what my favorite Barbara Streisand songs are? And I'll, I, I want to gauge your reaction to these. Okay. Two, my favorite. Okay. okay. My favorite Barbara Streisand songs are Woman in Love. 
Okay. And the main <laughs> event. Wow. Um, extra, extra, this just... <laughs> no, what is it? I'm in love? <laughs> yes. That's when she had all that, um, the curly, curly hair. Yeah. Um, that's, I, okay. that's the golden so, age of Woman Barbara in Streisand. Love. Woman in Love. Did you watch the Bee Gees documentary? No. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But they talk about how, you know, they had reached a point where, you know, they made it through the disc. They made it just about the to the the disco sucks era, and they mm-hmm. realized that like they were so associated with disco, um, that they probably could not perform as themselves anymore. And so what they needed to do was find artists who they could work with and write for because they loved writing. So that's one of the ways they got. Um, I mean, they'd, they'd been connected with Barbara from before, but um, ended up working with her on that. And Woman in Love is one of the songs. And I will tell you that for a long time, I did not like that song. I think that the melody is kind of strange. Um, but See, this is, I have this come is a to switch, really, switch conversation because I find I've come the melody to like so it. fascinating. No, I, 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 I've come to like it. I think there's, it's, it's, I mean, it's a Bee Gees song. Okay. That's so 25 more years and you'll be is. totally on board with Swish Swish. No. Um, <laughs> we're talking about the Bee Gees and Barbara Streisand, not Katy Perry and Nicki Minaj. Um, uh, I just sound like an old man, but mm-hmm. I, you know, it took me a while for that. I think the main event is fun. It's the main event. <laughs> she goes kind of yeah. crazy. It's like, um, I still love that album cover where it's a stick of butter and there's a fly on it and it's butterfly. I, I I'm not familiar. Yeah. Um, and there's also uh, when I was a kid, my mom had the album where she is it super Superman super the one Woman? where she's like pulling her shirt down. Yes, we had that <laughs> album at home as a kid. I think we did too. I, cause I remember the album cover being like in my mind. Um, <laughs> it was like in my, re- in my parents record collection from the before times that like never got updated, never got added to, but didn't get thrown away. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, but anyway, so anyway, anyway, so, so I, I, I can hear that. I, I feel, I, I think I know what you're saying. Cause I, I cause just... I want to contrast Betty who with Carly Rae Jepsen, who is my queen of unrequited love of making me feel like, something mm-hmm. and i don't i was trying to break down like okay like they kind of swim in the same spaces yeah ish i i feel like carly Rae jepsen's musical references are a little bit not smarter but kind of smarter or like mm. more distinct. i mean that's look that's fair i feel like carly Rae jepsen's songs are more like individual like i i can and distinct from each other and then and I don't know if it's just me. I th- I think it's just me, not just me, but sometimes just me as opposed to just you mm-hmm. is just me, just <laughs> you. Like I kind of need like a lyric to cut through that makes sense to me that encapsulates the entire song. Okay. And I don't get any of that ever with Betty Who. The, at least like the Betty Who songs that I've listened to. Like I never get a full sense of like, what what is she talking about? And I think it is part of that. The main lyric to a lot of these songs is like, ignore me, forget me, remember me, just between you and me. It's like, I, I they, they all become indistinguishable for me. Whereas like, I have a bunch of like Carly Rae Jepsen songs where she says something and 
she says it very clearly and she enunciates it very clearly. And then that one lyric can kind of carry me through the whole song. Right. Mm-hmm. So Carly Rae Jepsen does that the song called Your Type, right? You I don't know that song. Oh my god, no. it's so good. I, mean, I could probably Barry, I could probably I probably do know it, but all Carly Rae Jepsen songs sound the same to me. Oh no, see. I don't mean that in a bad way. I went to see her. It was lovely. I can remember Come Away With Me. I don't know the other names of the songs. I do know that I like them. I do really enjoy her. That wasn't like I'm not being you know, I'm not trying to be shady. I do really enjoy her. I don't know the titles of her songs. Mm. And to me, they do sound similar. I mean, they have like an 80s vibe. I know that they're distinct, but like for me, it's just there's a, for Carly Rae Jepsen, I, I think you're right. I think she is a better songwriter. I think lyrically, like she's more clever in that way. Um, and I think that maybe there's there's definitely more thematic variation in her songs that I think make just her in general more dynamic um wait how many songs like does I, carly ray jepson have in a single album that you use the word me i don't know well and I, so bef- oh, you know i guess me I, maybe yeah but that's like such that was the first one i almost don't think no that drug counts. like me okay so carly ray jepson's 2019 album dedicated has one song containing the word me it's track number two no drug like me betty who's 2019 album betty contains the songs old me marry me between you and me and ignore me (laughs) i don't think that that's a bad thing (laughs) it just makes it makes it so hard for me to remember i'm like I think because you don't want to. <laughs> None of these songs, man. I just, yeah. Uh, so, so, so I think one of the reasons that this album and like Betty Who hasn't completely broken through, through is after that, after that experience with the Valley, she leaves and becomes independent. So she no longer, whether, whether the, the fighting or not fighting, she loses the label apparatus which as we know is huge in terms of production. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of just been doing things on her own through social. Um, She did get signed. I mean, she did release it through um, her new, her album that came out in 2019. She released through, uh, it's called um, AWOL. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're, they're a Cobalt recording company. I think Cobalt, Cobalt is like a distribution and, label i think they're on fairfax like they were right across the street from the coffee shop we would go to all the time um and but it's it's like a smaller operation and it, mm. it is definitely more indie artists and so you know the indie promotional cycle and how people you know it's just a different beast right and so i think that sort of blunted the momentum. I think she's more creatively happy. I mean, Ignore Me comes out. The The whole thing with her, and we've seen this with artists that we've tried to redeem and we wonder where they went or why they dropped off. You know, they're releasing things on their own schedule. So, now, you know, she is happy because Ignore Me didn't have to go through anyone. She, she did it in six months and just put it out and it doesn't have to necessarily reflect an album. And she's also, she said that RCA, one of the things with RCA was they were hyper-focused on an album and having a whole album when the 
the you know the industry was sort of going to more of like a singles or you know thing just releasing yeah. songs that don't re- aren't really attached to an album and there's not the pressure to have a as as much of pressure to have a cohesive sort of thematic album and mm-hmm. that's something she's been trying to explore i think with even though betty i think it's betty is the name of is the name of her third album um she saw it more as like a collection of songs that don't necessarily all relate to each other Mm-hmm. Like, but that was just what she wanted to do. It was just music that she liked that she wanted to put out, and she wanted to be able to do that more directly without that label interference. So she's working on that now. Um, you know, it's you know that happened. She was going to go on tour, and then you know, you know, COVID obviously has like affected everyone. Um, you know, she launched a Patreon this past summer to like kind of finance new music. Um, She's been very active on social. She's got like a very kind of active sort of fan base or loyal fan base, I would say, mm-hmm. um, that she's working through. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll just be interested to see what else she does. I think I think that, um, you know, her music's worth a listen. Some of the songs that I mentioned, again, you know, Pretend You're Missing Me is the one is one that I like. Uh, on the album, The Valley, I like Wannabe and Reunion. Um, on the first album, I, I like a lot of songs, but I like Just Like Me on the first album. That song really sounds cute. like Thinking About You by Sierra. Yeah, but it's better. Oh, it sounds like Thinking... No, how dare you? Ugh, whatever. Dare you. It's, 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 it's Thinking About You by Sierra, but it's also got the guitar but it riff. Was, but it predated Sierra by like six years. I, no, wait, not six years. When did Thinking About You come out? Just Like Me came out in 2015. Thinking About You came out in 2019. Four yeah, years. Four years. So Sierra. Sierra improved like the formula. <laughs> How dare you. But it has this, it also has like, um, it has this like, like it's like a guitar or like a mandolin riff in the background of it. This mm-hmm. Just Like Me. Just Like mm-hmm. Me, another song with the word me in it. Um, it's very, Again, not it's very, Dev, it's very me. Dev Hines, Blood Orange inspired or referent. I feel like it's like the same thing. Okay. Really? In in the MKS episode about Sugar Babes, um, the song that I talked about, Flatline, it has almost like the same kind of little strumming noise in the background. Listen closely. Like a harpsichord? No, it's like a, it's definitely like a stringed instrument that's plucked okay it's it's like it's like very prominent in the very beginning like the first eight bars of the song and then it kind of runs underneath the whole song okay oh i guess it could be a it could be a harpsichord or like what's the um like a what's dulcimer the, dulcimer the one that it's like mm-hmm. it's a little it's but i feel like i, I can i can hear it. some fingers i don't know Anyway, where I'm not a musical, I'm not a musicologist. Don't come to me for your music prescriptions. Um, I don't know. I think just give it a listen, see what you think. Listen, listen to some of those songs. I think you'll enjoy yourself. I think they're very yeah. fun pop songs. I, I mean, mean I, to be honest, I need to give I need to give Betty who do I need to give her? I would like to give Betty who a fair a fair shot. I feel like I have. Is mm-hmm. it possible? I don't know. See, because this is the thing with me is that I so easily get into like a flow state with music that for me to hear something and immediately just skip it, I don't know what what that is, right? 
that mm-hmm. her songs will come on and it will break my flow state and I'll just be like, skip next song. I, I it's, it, it, that's, it, that's why I listeners and Barry, I am giving you very specific songs that I think are worth listening to. Told you it's thinking about you by Sierra. God. <laughs> All right. And that's, that's what I have to say about Betty who. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, yeah. It's funny. I would, you know, cause the one thing that I do think about Betty who is when you were talking about her struggles with her label and how they were really hyper-focused on getting an album together. Whereas like, I think it's largely accepted now that for certain artists, for certain types of artists that appeal to a particular audience, the route to go is definitely just release singles as they become available. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Betty who especially seems like the type of artist that would, should have been going down that route yeah. this entire time. Yeah. Just like and that, make some yeah. music, release a, release a single here, release a four track EP there. Like, you know, the, the fans will come to it. They don't want to wait four years to hear a song that you made three years ago. Well, and that's why she, I mean, she talks about it. She's like, you know, we released this single. I did it two years ago. She's like, it's, I mean, like, I'm, I'm still proud of it, but like, it's not cool. It's not edgy. Like it, or doesn't, it doesn't feel, I don't have the same enthusiasm for it as I had before. And it was just like that fight with the label. And she said like the label was constantly like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you don't know, you don't know, like, you know, no. Like basically, yeah. I mean, I wonder if way. that's like an RCA thing, or if that's like because I feel like there's certain artists that I'm more accustomed to now releasing a bunch of singles. Yeah, like I see. I think you see it a lot more nowadays. But I feel like there's definitely certain artists that you don't like. You don't hear anything from them for a really mm-hmm. long time, and then for a long time, word on the street is like they're working on their album. They're working on their album. They're working on their album, and then it's yeah, it really is like a huge blackout until you know something comes out. Versus like now, I feel like they have that album art ready for some reason, and then Spotify shows up with like a single, but it's got the album art on it, and then you just get like <laughs> you get like four or five of those in the course of like two months, and then like three months later, the album's out. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Get with the program, RCA. Maybe they are with the program. I mean, I, I only think of it because I think of um, Christina Aguilera when I think of RCA. Oh, my God. And I, I know, me too. And I think of, uh, of uh, you know, putting together those monstrosities, those like two double disc. Like, you know, they yeah. let her just put. But how long did those take to those put together? Forever. Right? That took those forever, took too. Ever. So I think it might have something to do with the label. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and, and what their, what their perception of, um, a good pop album would be and what the market wants and how to market, you know, like the model that they have. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know. And how much you want to like pander to like young people. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like entertainment notoriously chases that demographic of like, what is like 18 to 24. Yeah. And like how aggressively you want to adapt to the way that 18 to 24 year olds are, you know, absorbing media. Like, I think we've seen a bigger change in the last 
10 years probably to that demographic than we have previously Mm -hmm. specifically because the tools that people have to release their music are changing so 18 to 24 year olds they're used to hearing something literally the second that it that someone is finished that they're done yeah they just put it right out yeah someone's exporting it i mean case in point this podcast i'm racing to finish episodes (laughs) (laughs) and they are on the internet ready for consumption later that night um so yeah i mean i would think that 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 state of mind is changing more and more but then you think like by the time that the music industry adapts you know tastes are going to change again and we just need to just yeah i mean it's also it's also just affected the way we listen to music too right like i don't it's i mean i guess that i guess you know when i'm listening to an album i make a concerted effort to like i have to put on that album and just let it run versus listening to playlists which or or the like streaming radio which you know depending on what i'm doing like that that it's made it so easy to just listen to songs disconnected from albums and yeah. there's not necessarily you know you could you can you can pick apart an album and then only like listen to the ones that you like and kind of forget the rest of it right like it is sort of disposable there's no the artist has a lot less control over how you how you experience their their work yeah um and i mean and i wonder so, if like does betty who consider her songs to be standalone songs like she does now like that she she talks about it with with the betty album as just you know she she wanted them she didn't necessarily want them to feel they she didn't want them to feel like they had to be connected Mm. like it's just music that she liked she wrote for different periods and she you know she just wants to release it and get it out there um and share it and they not don't necessarily have to connect as an album but she mm. didn't want that to keep it nothing like a good album though does that make me old gosh you just said gosh so maybe i didn't want to take the lord's name in vain over that <laughs> the fact that i love a good album <laughs> <laughs> all right that's not worth it oh um, no anyway not worth anyway. it not worth the damnation um but for Betty Who, you should give a damn. <laughs> you should. You should. You should also. You should also be giving special thanks. Oh, I should I be giving special thanks? I think so. I should be giving special thanks, and I will give special thanks. I'll give special thanks right now. I'll give special thanks to Adam Elder, who composed our theme music. And um, I'll let you know that songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopredeemer.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Check us out on social media at Flop Redeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at Facebook.com slash Flop Flop, 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 Flop. And at Facebook.com slash Flop Redeemer. As always, email us at Flop Redeemer at gmail.com. <laughs>